Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me as always is Ben Slinger. Yepers, yep I am. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Hello, everybody. God, I'm going to cut that bit out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> He's threatening to cut me out already. We're 27 seconds into the show. Yeah. Come on, you abuse of power. Yeah, I'm Ben Slinger. You're Trevor Scott. This is Bitstorm. We're going to do a thing, and I think- Trevor, you would like to start with something a little bit different this week. Just a little bit different. So, quite a while ago, we we came up with a few different ideas for the for the show, and um, we've done some of these before, mostly in the first half of the last century, <laughs> <laughs> um, where we take some old game, old, old games existing that, games, yes. old existing games, and we we discuss what it would be like to reboot or remake them in today's technology. Yeah, not old Bitstorm games. Maybe we'll save no. that for episode two hundred. We'll go back and reboot old Bitstorm games. <laughs> That's just like so self-referential that it's like that, that it just a big might circle jerk. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna look at some old games. I think you you've been playing a bunch of old DOS games. You know, this is yes. our childhood. We're in our late thirties and our memories are of of uh loading up discs on on like floppy disks, some of them literally floppy, mm-hmm. and uh messing around with your config.sys to get them working. So we'll take a look at some of those. So so as a as a little bit of an idea, think about the old DOS game, Prince of Persia, and what was done with that in the in you know the early two thousands yeah, when exactly. they when they turned them into three D and they they became you know massively big selling games. Well, what would happen if we took something that we've already talked about in a gritty reboot before many many moons ago, but Commander Keen? Yeah, last time we did Commander Keen, it was sort of in the context of I think of a click pitch actually, um, but uh, let's let's take it anew. And think about how we would reboot this. So let's say let let's uh, well one way we could start this is do we want to think of maybe like what studio would tackle something like this? Ooh, current day sort of triple A studio would take on the Commander Keen license. Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of like the idea of maybe a a rare taking it on or okay, so um, you're kind of thinking stick to the sort of cartoony style. Cartoony style. The the main reason why I've sort of said Commander Keen is because just today, like during my lunch break, I played the first episode of Commander Keen Marooned on Mars. Mm-hmm. And that was that came about because I saw like something about the Mars lander of, mm, and yeah. pictures on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, that's right. There was a Commander Keen game and I'd already, <laughs> <laughs> already had the games there. So I thought I'd check it out. And yeah, I just wanted to see what would happen if we rebooted Marooned on Mars. Okay, so let's maybe think of the general storyline. Um, do you want to go- You've been playing it. Do you want to sort of give us an idea of the plot? Yep. So, Commander Keen is- um, Or Billy Blaze, as he's called outside of that. I don't think we can- We stick with that because his rocket ship was a really dodgily called uh, Bean with Bacon Mega Rocket. Um, <laughs> I think we can come up with better- <laughs> With a better kid's name, I don't know, for, but you gotta you gotta still ship. reference it, right? Like hmm, anyway, maybe. we'll get maybe we'll get some uh, we'll get some sponsorship. It'll be like the Heinz uh, Heinz uh, Blaster or something. Yeah, something. Yeah, like. yeah. The uh, um, beans, beans so Heinz. he's he's um, flying around, gets marooned on Mars, and has to go collect the four pieces of his ship from the Vorticons. Classic, classic. Those that. When, whenever spaceships explode, they explode in such a way that they will spread their pieces as far as possible across a planet. Everybody knows this. Mm-hmm. Really should have thought of that. Um, okay, so so you're thinking rare. You, so you're kind of going along like Banjo Kazooie ish, three D platformer, polished yeah, style but with, with a lot more verticality. Okay, um, well that makes sense because I don't. Did he have it in the first one? The the pogo stick. Yes. Um, so. The first level you have to go through without a pogo stick, and mm-hmm. then you get about three quarters- Oh, not three quarters of the way through. You you go- Literally, after you finish the first level, you can actually make your way up to where the pogo stick is. Right. Um, and the pogo stick is actually like a, a relic of, of like, the Vorticons that they sort of worship, <laughs> okay. and you just happen to steal it. All right, it. so look, well, that's cool, because that we could keep that, 
And because then it could be this super cool alien looking. It's not even really a pogo stick necessarily. Maybe it's a fucking weapon, but he just. He's a kid. He doesn't think of it as a weapon. He's just like, it blasts out, you know, kinetic energy or something. It's like, cool, I can mm. fucking ride this. So, I- I'm thinking a third person yeah. um, action adventure in a 3D sort of realm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are sections in which it goes back to 2D. Okay. Just in that sort of nostalgic way that reboots tend to do. Yeah, sort of like um, occasionally in Super Mario Odyssey, it'd go you go into a pipe and all yeah. of a sudden you'd be in a 2D sort of world. Yeah. Um, Are you thinking like we keep it like 2.5D just fixed camera with the same sort of graphics yeah. or you want to go full? 2.5D yeah. fixed yeah. camera, you get to a certain certain part of, of a level and you see lots of platforms that are just sort of vertical. Yeah, and look, you get you down to the bottom like of it and bang, it just switches over to a, the 2D. Do a bit of a homage, homage to- some of the some of the levels from the original game or something. You know, if you if you've just recently played it, maybe you'll pick up on the fact that they're they're similarly placed. Oh, believe me, you would not want to do that because some of them were really really badly designed. Um, I'm not saying do all of them. Pick a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, most of them were not memorable at all. Um, the most memorable part about it was the character and like his movement, which was just simple jump, pogo stick, and shoot. So literally, yeah. that's that's all he needed. There was no gadgets, no nothing other than that. It was just all right. Um, so let's. So we've talked about the pogo stick, the jumping. Is it going to be sort of exaggerated platform style jumping, or is this more? Are we going for a slightly more grounded kind of you know well, uncharted esque? I think you can actually things. go a um, exaggerated sort of comical jump because you're not on Earth. Okay, so you just so go the gravity, with the gravity. You just you just say basically the gravity is different, so therefore that's why you're getting away with it. Yeah, I do like the idea of some really cool animation with the pogo stick and stuff. Like you get a really good blast going as you come down. He's kind of losing his footing and just like hanging on for dear life until he, you know, just before he lands, he kind of gets mm-hmm. another takes and makes another blast or something. That, so that I'm imagining really cool. that, um, like when you fire yourself up into the air with the pogo stick. Um, you can actually like unlock an ability that he goes into slow motion and des- decides where he wants to land, like or, or just so- or even being able to shoot. Yeah, because we haven't just talked about able to shooting shoot there or something, something like that. Um, one of the things that early Apogee games brought in was, and I can't believe they actually did this, but limited charges on your ray gun. Oh yeah, you had to find ammo, eh? You always had to find ammo, and it was. It was so limited that you start the game without any charges. <laughs> right. Um, That's right. How, do, how else did you defeat them? Did you just have to avoid them? Um, some of the lesser em- enemies you could jump on. And yeah. other than that, it was just avoid. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think I like the idea about bringing some of that back. Um, just to show that, I think, you, know, well, you know, violence what I- isn't always the option. Maybe what you do- Yeah, that's fair. I think modern audiences- if we're sort of doing that kind of uh, analysis, would find that really frustrating. But to to kind of go with the the spirit of it, maybe there's kind of a like it recharging station. Well, yeah, or well, but it recharges anyway, but just quite slowly. So, like if you if you do do five blasts in quick succession, you're not going to be able to fire for like another ten seconds or something. Maybe you can upgrade the gun later so that your base recharge um, is faster or something. But it's yep. yeah, I think that would just 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 running out and having it be empty until you pick something up would probably frustrate a modern audience, I would say. But, yeah, I, I like the idea that, yeah, especially if you give decent traversal stuff. I mean, you've got the pogo stick. You know, that's going to let you kind of really, you know, use those avoidance techniques. And, again, I love the idea of taking the traversal of the pogo stick and really digging deep into what that means so you can do things like, you know, pogo stick up high and where there's a wall and then – wall jump off it or something, you know, to, to kind of get some distance in, in the opposite direction. Almost a bit like Mario's wall jump, you know. Yeah. Um, you could do some really cool- And actually, that look, that and that's interesting because, you know, Commander King was made sort of in direct response to Mario, right? Like, to show, hey, this can be done on a computer. Yeah. Um, um, I've, I've sort of dug into the background behind the what Apogee and ID were trying to do at the time. Yeah. And ID literally- um, they decided that they wanted to try and make a 3D scrolling um, thing on uh, game on the PC, and they they um, inserted their their character Dangerous Dave mm-hmm. into a game called Dangerous Dave and the Copyright Infringement, <laughs> and it was literally a copy of the Super Mario Brothers three, um, one of the famous levels of, of Super Mario Mario Brothers three. Right, and right. then they took it to Nintendo to basically say, look, we want to do this. Yeah. 
Nintendo basically said, no, we don't want to do that. So, they came up with their own thing. And the, one of the first things that they came out with um, was uh, Commander Keen and ID of Doom and all those sort of all those sort of games came up with the Commander Keen yeah. um, property and Apogee just um, uh, published it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I was actually going to- I was going to suggest before we went the rare route that we go and just give it back to its software and, um, you know, put it in the Rage 2 engine or something. But, uh, no, I like where we're going with this so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's sort of taking- taking what, um, what was good about the Commander King games, whether- whether you take it dire- just directly from sort of, uh, the Marooned on Mars sort of idea or whether you- whether you actually go, you know, the Goodbye Galaxy sort of route where there was a lot more variety in the levels. Um, well, yeah, look, but- I think, again, modern level design is going to be a lot different. Yeah. Um, you'd take aspects of it. You'd take the environments. You'd take the, the, you know, I'd love to see those little fucking one-eyed alien alien things running around um, in, in ni- nicely rendered 3D. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, what I like about it is this sort of the traversal stuff with the pogo stick. Look, we haven't gone particularly deep on the shooting. Like, you know, in that game, he just pretty much had a standard ray gun and that was it the whole time, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and I, I like the idea that it it's nothing more than the standard ray gun. Um, but what you can what you can do is like get new traversal sort of things that you can un- unlock, maybe. Well, and I think you would have to look. I, I like the idea of him just sticking with that one gun, um, but maybe he learns new techniques or something. Maybe he could like bounce it around a corner or um, yeah. Maybe at first, you know, all he can do is just shoot when he's on the ground, and then later on he gets. Um, when he gets the pogo stick, like he unlocks um, t- a time slowing thing in which he can actually, you know, have time to shoot up in yeah, the, up in yeah. the sky. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really like that that idea for a game. It, um, yeah. Look, I think I, I, think I just don't, the I don't right understand studio could why do something really ID cool. haven't actually done something with Commander Keen again. I mean, like, because they don't care about platformers anymore. Yeah, but they they could turn it into something like totally different to what the what they've been doing. Using the same engine, I know, think. It, try, I think it comes to down to because because they've always um, they've always been about pushing the envelope on technology, right? And so for mm-hmm. Commander Keen, that was that was doing that, and then Wolfenstein and Doom, and, and and it goes on from there. You know, you'd have to if you could give John Carmack, you know, a problem that he would only be able to solve by making a new Commander Keen, then you'd you know they'd do it. <laughs> Yeah, but unfortunately, John Carmack left there ages ago and went over to Oculus, so you're not going to have too much <laughs> stuff stuff from id coming from John Carmack's mind well, anymore. Well, no, but, you know, he might come back. <laughs> so, have you got any ideas for a reboot? Yeah, actually. Uh, and moving away from some of the, you know, Apogee platformers, which were obviously our bread and butter. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is a game I talked about a couple of weeks ago in passing, but a game that was not hugely popular, but I was always looking out for a copy of it. I'm not sure I ever got a full version of it. So, it was this game called Rocket Jockey. Mm-hmm. And the aesthetic was really cool. And it was basically just people riding on these kind of single-barreled rockets, like just like a fucking space rocket with a jet coming out the back. Yep. Um, they sort of had some stabilizers. Um, but the only way you could turn it is by grappling out left or right onto these poles- and and like rotating around. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what sort of what sort of view were you in? Was it this like a top a down? Per- yeah, like a third person. No, it was like third person. Third person. Uh, like over the sh- basically, you, you were behind the rocket, and it had some really cool physics, and you, you know, bits would break off the side and stuff. So I'm thinking, like, give it the full kind of Burnout Paradise treatment, where this is a full open world game, but you come up with some cool shit around why these people are riding rockets. You know, is everyone riding rockets? Um, and, and create a bunch of different events, obviously a bunch of different rocket types and things, and then also give different moves. Like, a, you know, in, in this game, yeah, literally controls were left or right. Um, and you could, of course, hook onto other rockets. You could hook onto mm-hmm. the people on the rockets and pull them off and drag them behind you and stuff. Um, and so, you know, you want to keep some real sort of humorous physics-based stuff. Um, but you know, add add in some verticality to it too, so you can like fire upwards with your grappling hook, and that obviously like, you know, z- will zoom you up, and then you let go, and you can kind of get some air before you come back down, or do a full loop the loop and get behind someone if you're trying to take them out or something. Uh, I feel right. like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things we could do there. Okay, so 
not knowing how the, it, the original game was, where I'm sort of uh, picturing could be kind of awesome is that um, this this thing is in space. So, it's it doesn't have any gravity or anything like that, but it's a fully 3D mm-hmm. um, racetrack that you're going- that you're going around. Um, so, you're in this race and the only way that you can turn is, again, by grappling, but you can grapple in three dimensions in to sort of direction. pull yourself. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've you've got the height happening as well and you sort of got to follow along with beacons. Um, what you can actually have is you can have like a um, sort of like the old- Mario Kart games and that sort of stuff. If you get off the track and you literally have nothing to pull you back onto the track, then someone sort of pulls you back onto the track. Yeah. But I, th- I think having having like a, a 3D, um, you know, racetrack that you got to sort of try and follow and change change directions by- Look, you know, I, think the 3D, loop, the loop in that. I think the 3D could be cool, but I think, I think you still want to be on the surface of something. So, maybe a bit more of like a- almost like a bit of a wipeout track with multi- or F-Zero. Yeah, with multi-levels and things- um, mm-hmm. but you, yeah, you kind of you can use your techniques to um to get up to to get onto a different level, get up higher, you know, get the drop on someone by coming down from below and you know grappling grappling them off their their rocket. Look, I'm looking at a a video of it right now. Um, and it's fucking funny. Um, and if you get yanked off your rocket, you can actually like walk around. You have to go and find your rocket or someone else's rocket and get back on it. You know, um, nice. <laughs> so there's almost a bit of. Well, and that's another thing, actually. I could almost picture a bit of a Tony Hawk vibe. Um, cause I was just thinking of like Tony Hawk Underground where you could get off your, um, get off your skateboard, but, uh, you know, cause you could really do a lot of tricks and, and moves and stuff that, that could be part of the level, you know, um, that are specifically made to, to follow this track to get the right stuff. Um, Okay, so should it be more of a a burnout paradise or midnight club sort of well, that's racing of in in which you don't have a you've just got a spot on the map that you got to get to. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how you get there, you just got to get there. Yeah, exactly. So, and then you do you do have races that have certain um certain checkpoints, checkpoints that you go through. But otherwise, yeah, you're kind of just going around this open world, and um, you can do tricks, and you can um, you can. Fucking, I don't know, steal other people's rockets and uh, by pulling well, them t- off. Take, taking it from a um from a Tony Hawk's sort of point of view as well. Maybe there's like um, side quests that you can do throughout the um open world in which someone yeah. needs you to help get them get like their kitten down from a tree. So you <laughs> so you got to grapple it down. Yeah. Um. Well, and the other thing, you grapple it down, or you, or you knock it down with with your rocket. With that, your rocket that means yeah. that you got to sort of do a a launch off this jump and you know. Well, and maybe grind, you get different points for whether the kitten survives. You know. Um. If you knock it down with your rocket, it's probably going to smush it. If you grapple it, it might be okay. But if you literally just, like, fly <laughs> past it and reach out and grab it, it's probably going to be fine. Uh, but the other thing I was thinking is police, right? Like, you could you could have police chases in a bit of a, a need for speed hot pursuit kind of way where if you do take someone else's rocket, then that actually puts you into, you know, a, a police race, a, a hot pursuit race. Um, yeah. Where, where, yeah, you have to, you have to get away from them and, and either- again, get to a certain place, which is determined is your, you know, safe, safe, safe haven or something. Okay, cool. I think we've got a pretty good idea of what can happen with that. What should I go with? I've got two in mind. How about I put both out of you? Okay. And you choose which one you want to which one you want to go down. Now, I'm only going to say the names. If you don't know what what it's about, it doesn't matter. We're just taking the names. Okay. Okay. So the first one is Magic Carpet. Mm-hmm. Old Bullfrog Classic, yes. Mm-hmm. And the one. other one is quarantine. Quarantine is that a like an RPG ish thing? No, no. All right, Give you a little bit of a hint as oh, to what that was the driving the taxi game. The taxi game. <laughs> yes, I do remember that now. All right, those are both interesting. So maybe we'll do them both. But let's let's start with Magic Carpet. Yep, because we've just sort of done a driving slash racing slash whatever game. Yep. Um, magic carpet. Look, that was. I seem to recall almost just a tech demo when it first came out. Really, in a lot of ways, yeah, pretty it, much. It had it had goals and stuff, but the whole thing was the being able to change the terrain and just the the speed that you'd move across it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, definitely, definitely, sort of ahead of its time in a lot of ways, but not a lot of game there. So. Where could we take, without being racist, <laughs> someone <laughs> flying a magic carpet? So, where- I mean, I had a little bit of a go at this game the other day. Yeah. Um, 
it is incredibly hard to actually control. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm thinking with today's sort of technology, you could actually control that magic carpet a lot better. Now, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I'm sort of picturing is that it's maybe even set in, like, current day. Um, okay. In, say, New York, um, your brother happens to own, like, a a carpet emporium. And yeah. he gets this new, this new um, batch of carpets in from- um, maybe Wherever. maybe out of storage or something like that, and yep. this one you happen to sit down on, and it it literally starts to hover, and so you decide to start going around and helping people throughout the city. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, nowadays, could you imagine like flying through buildings and stuff, and like having to to sort of like chase down um like early levels or like chase down a kid's balloon that got away and and. Then you know later levels are, are literally chasing um, chasing people who um, stole a jetpack from from like this testing facility, and so you're the only one who can sort of maneuver around the city fa- fast enough to actually catch up to these people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do. I do like that idea of it being in modern day. I'm getting yep. just a little bit, almost too much of a um, like a Spider Man esque or, or like the, the sort of classic um, those that real current gen open world sort of thing. So I'm trying to think how we can mix it up a bit. I do like the idea of being able to just zoom around on a magic carpet. That is cool. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm not talking about you being a superhero. No, 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 I know. But you've it, got no powers. It's, it's start not a Superman like 64. It's literally all you all your superpowers are, uh, you can fly. <laughs> but that's a superpower. And if you're talking about doing, you know, solving all these crimes and helping people, then you're basically going down the superhero route. Um one thing I did think of, and this may or may not work, but it could be an interesting VR thing um, mm-hmm. in that VR works quite well if you don't physically have to, if you can be in something or on something that is moving um, so that your traversal and movement isn't reliant on you pretending you're moving your feet sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could almost picture this as a bit of a sitting down um, VR a VR experience where you're leaning and maybe like grabbing the, like you've got the corners of your carpet in your hands sort of thing to like really do some tight turns or something. Um, oh, God, I'm and- just, I'm just imagining the motion sickness right now. <laughs> oh yeah. It'd be an extreme experience, but, um, or you could do, or you could have it almost entirely controlled by your sort of your leaning and stuff. And you can be casting spells and things like in the actual bullfrog's magic carpet, um, could also be kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. So I am liking the VR aspect as much as it pains me to say, like, that my <laughs> stomach wouldn't support it. Um, but my only concern would be about the leaning, about if someone wasn't sitting down on the floor, that they'd fall, over, fall off their chair. Yeah. Well, that's on them. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it could maybe be slightly, I mean, maybe it's not entirely leaning. Maybe it is just the, uh, like, you've got the corners of the carpet, so you're kind of grabbing the sides a bit to sort of pull up, pull up, pull up, pull left, pull right, to kind of um, guide it in certain ways. Okay. So, what I'm picturing is that um, each corner has these two tassels that are kind of like a- kind of like a rein. Um, yeah. Yep. In, in that- but you can let go of any one of them at any time and, and sort of fire off some magic spells and shit, and then- reach down and pick it up again to- Yeah, to like and I think it's got a little bit of kind of autopilot. Like, if you go the sort of Aladdin-esque route, it could have a bit of sentience to it even. Um, or, 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 you know, it's, it's a magical creature of sorts. Now I'm picturing that, you know, it holds the tassel up for a high five sort of thing. Totally. That'd be, yeah, absolutely. That'd be kind of cool. Um, I'm thinking that you can have time trials throughout the throughout the city, like you, you're trying to, trying to get through the city, hitting all the checkpoints really, really quickly. Um, but some of these checkpoints are right down against the street, and some of them are right way up high at the top of the building, so that you're going to have that sort of roller coaster esque um, sort of yeah. movement. Yeah, look, I think it works perfectly for those sorts of those sorts of flying challenges. Um, awesome. if, if you really get the controls right, now would you want to bring in spells and stuff? Like, what's the? Is there a story to this? You know, again, like like we said, the the original Magic Carpet was kind of almost just a tech demo. There wasn't an overarching story, particularly. Um, I think maybe this. Um, this carpet was once once a a being of immense power, and got turned into a magic carpet by I don't know uh, some sort of An evil some sort gene. of curse, evil gene or something like that. But just being in pro- close proximity unlocks like magical powers that it that it gives you and mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. So you can actually and have then it. Are you you trying yourself to like- don't have it, but anyone who sort of 
um, uses this magic carpet actually has it. Yeah. And is the goal to, like, free this being from its carpetous form? Yes. And that Sounds leads good. into Magic Carpet 2, in which the Magic Carpet actually turns out to be an evil being. Oh, yeah, and you freed it, and it's just, like, destroying the planet. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool, I like it. Yep. Okay. So, Quarantine was an interesting game. I seem to recall it was basically you played a taxi driver in, like, a dystopian future? Yes. That's ripe for possibility. <laughs> yeah, so, one of the things that you could actually do was, like- fit your car out with like weapons and stuff you still had to like take take passengers to places but you could also like get hijacked along the way and all that sort of stuff so i'm Mm. thinking it's it's sort of like a dystopian new york city just because like because everything's uh, set in new york city uh new jack city or escape from new york or something like that in which it's like you know quite quite run down there's gangs going around everywhere just trying to trying to take out um you know yeah, trying to yeah. steal, steal we, all, the, all the cars and all that sort of bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, picturing in today's sort of thing, you know, it's there's martial law on the streets, um, but still people need to get from. But there's still commerce, there's still capitalism, of course, and but but every yeah, but that's law lawlessness in certain parts and police brutality in other parts, and so you're trying to. To make your way through this world as a lowly cab driver. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm sort of thinking it's kind of crazy taxi, but without without necessarily the time limits. But it's more- Yeah, I don't think it's about the time limits. Although, you know, you, you could definitely have penalties for being too slow. Depending- And, and again, like, it could be depending on the, um, the passenger. Like, if they're really in a hurry because they're being chased or something, then, you know, the faster you go, the less likely it is that you're actually going to run into trouble and people you have to kill. You might just be able to get them away and get them to their place. But if you go too slow, then you're going to run into the gangs that are after them. Um, and yeah, so you just have some, you know, some easy fares as well that just kind of give you a bit of world building, give you a bit of conversation. So I kind of like the idea that story is happening, but you aren't involved. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's still story going on that you've every day you've got like a couple of fares that you, you're always going to sort of. Um, have as long as they as long as they live, and you find out different things about what what they're doing, and like maybe one of the guys is like the mayor of the city that, you've, that mm. you're looking after, and he's the one that's every day. You know, um, he changes his time every day because he never wants the gangs to get get used to his schedule. Mm. Mm. Um, and and so I, I just like the idea of you you spending your money to upgrade your taxi to get it like more armor plated and and like. Better weapons and, and-, and better, better. Um, well, you can either choose defensive or, or offensive weapons. Yep. So you can like have like the the typical uh, James Bond sort of um, oil at the back that you you know you turn a corner, drop some oil, and they just go skidding off into the yep. building and explode. Yep. Fire smoke at your exhaust to like just confuse them and, and get out yep. of their line of sight and that sort of thing. Or just yeah, full on fucking rocket launches. I'm really liking this idea just because it's oh, I so, think there's a lot there. Look, so over the top. I'm kind of picturing it as mostly a sort of systems-based world in that, yeah, you, you go through your day and fares are kind of procedurally generated as to where they show up, except for, yeah, like some specific story-based stuff. Um, and, you know, I don't think it necessarily shows up the same time, same day, every, you know, every game or whatever. Yep. So, that you, so that each game is fairly different. And, you know, based, yeah, based on your play style, based on your weaponry that you decide to choose, uh, decide to, to outfit your, Depend- how, depending how you on, outfit your cab. you know, how you, how you're, um, how you actually are as a, as a taxi driver. I mean, if you, if you are really, really shit and you let your passengers get killed, then you're going to have a bad time. You're only going to well, be not gonna get getting low, low quality passengers who, yeah. who probably could afford more, you know, well, better, better that protection could actually, or something like that. That could actually be an interesting branching aspect of the storyline. That maybe there are sort of two or, you know, multiple paths through where if you're really good and you sort of make a name for yourself as, you, you know, you're not just a cab driver, then you're basically providing protection. Then you do start getting the fares like the mayor and, you know, important people mm. and and finding out a bit more of what's going on, you know, in the upper echelon of, of the city. But if you're crap at it, maybe that gives you the opportunity to go down some of the sort of more criminal paths where- Oh, I'm thinking if- Maybe if you're, you know, offensively going out and killing people, then you get the um, 
you get the mafioso types that are that are basically like, okay, I want you to go pick this person up, but as you pick them up, I want you to kill them. Sort yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. And you get the more hitman basically, sort of- uh, Yeah, you're basically a sort of assassin then. Yeah. Um, Whereas if if you're defensive in your in your style, then you you're going down the sort of roots of of maybe a bodyguard sort of style. Mm. Now the game's called Quarantine, yes. um, and I think the idea was that the, that this city had been quarantined off from the rest of the world. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess we'll stick with that. Um, Story wise, you know, how do we want to go into sort of what's happened, or is it, or are we just going to take it as a as a plot device to you know keep you in a small area? Well, get- I, I think it's it's one of these things that like they talk about um, quarantined areas every day. So, what area you cannot drive through today, and and that sort of stuff. So, you've also got like different um, different parts of the map that during certain days you cannot you cannot okay. travel into, or that if you um, do, you're going to be in more danger of certain things or something. Yeah, um, but you know, the city as a whole is is you know you you're within a quarantined area that you cannot leave the city. Yeah, I um, just wonder if you start to find out about like, does everyone know why that is, or they've been told one thing, and maybe um, you start I'm, finding I'm thinking out that that something maybe else. Maybe this is this is a couple of a couple of generations down the line since when this event happened. Okay, so there could so, be some interesting stuff on finding out what's going on in the rest of the world, like outside of this city. Yeah. Barely anybody knows the whole the whole life is just in the city. Yeah. So wh- what I'm picturing the gameplay is going to be like is if you remember the old game Driver. Yeah. Well, um, I like the idea that it's sort of like um, good arcadey sort of sort of driving. Yeah. Um, Are we going to stick with the first person that the original game was? Yeah, I think you got so to within the car. Yeah, within the car. Okay. Um, not many of those these days. I feel like, or at least not that don't give you the option. No, I like most no, are built, built for third person because they want to show I, off their shiny car models. I think what I like about that, though, is that, you know, you can do the drive-bys if you need to, because you can just, you know, turn to the side and- Yeah. Um, yeah, it gives you a little bit more flexibility in some ways. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I like, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I reckon we go into our regular segments now. All right. All right. Let's go to some click pitch. We can- We can do that. We've done it 102 times before. We can do it once more. Yep. So, do you want to tell everyone what this is about, if they've made it this far into the episode? Sure, sure thing. Click Pitch is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us. And on the count of three, two, one, click, we will click refresh and get a new set of words each. We are going with a ramped up Click Pitch, so we have a phrase, an adjective and a noun each. We will put them together, and from that, we shall conceive a game child. We'll make a game design. We'll talk about it. We'll laugh. Then we'll throw it away. Three to one like click. Maybe with a bathwater. Okay. Three to one click. Bloodier outburst. Factorial nectarine. <laughs> factorial nectarine. Okay. So Factorial makes me think of that game Factorio, where you're like building conveyors and, and robot arms and things to to generate and process resources. Okay. Um maybe it's something around around fruit picking via robotics. Robotic fruit picking machines. Ooh, Ooh I like that. Mm. Um, so, what what I imagine happens on the first day is the reason why you've been brought in, and you're you're a programmer. Um, okay. The previous programmer went a little bit crazy, and he sent the nectarine picker out into <laughs> into the human area and started picking like limbs off of off of the humans. And that was his bloody outburst. That was his bloody outburst. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, okay. I like that. So you. So okay. So you're coming into this organization, I guess. Yes. This, it's like an orchard or something, probably. Yep. Um, knowing that the past, the last programmer fucked up in this big way and killed a lot of people. Yeah. And so, is this sort of a Factorio esque like? A game where you are setting up these systems and and me- mechanical um, conveyors and things, or, yeah. So or what I'm thinking around the programming of them and such. What I'm thinking is it's it's making it all work together. So you've got the you've got the picker robot. You've got um, conveyors that that trans trans um, transport all the all the nectarines back to the um back to the office, and then you've got. Other robots that can do like um, sorting and that sort of stuff, and you've just got to you do one sort of section at a time. Yeah. Um, and then you know maybe you need to do an up- update on the sorting uh, robot because they've been letting too many 
too many dodgy ones through. So you can do a, do an update on them and, and change the, um, change some of the coding with via a puzzle or something like that. But then you can, you can get it better by, by letting, um, the robot that's actually picking to actually pick better, better nectarines at the start rather than. Right. So you've got different techniques based on what you want to upgrade. Well, I like the idea that there's actually some like coding almost that happens in this, like some of these games where you're doing basic logic stuff or, or putting these things together in the most efficient way. Yeah. Um, that maybe you are writing some things where you've got a limited amount of pieces and you've got things like, the color detection and that feeds an output, you know, into a decision making thing to decide whether or not to pick it. Um, but later on, you can get like the the squeezing bit bit that also will give it a little squeeze to determine if it's ripe or not. Um, yeah. So you can sort of, you know, but then they take more processing power or something, and so you've got all these different things along the way. Um, and again, like you've got the little squeezing thing. Do you, do you put that on the picker that squeezes it before it even picks it? You know, and if that goes wrong, it could accidentally pull it off or it could squish it or something. Or do you wait until, you know, you just pick everything and throw away the stuff that's not ripe or whatever based on the squisher and the, the color checker or whatever, you know, on a later conveyor or something. That could be really cool. So that's the first part of the game. I <laughs> okay. think what happens after a while is that, um, you start noticing that some of the robots start glitching or something, either glitching or you, you you start thinking about like the stories that you heard about the previous programmer and how like it was fine one day, but then you know the next the the robot literally went into the went into the wrong the wrong section and started ripping ripping the human um, pickers to pieces. Yeah. So what I'm starting to think is that. Um, like there's some nefarious things going on behind the scenes. <laughs> Maybe, although I now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of like the idea that it's all it's all part of the programming challenge. Like it's inevitable that people are going to be near these things, but they're so efficient that if they squeeze you, like this is part of your this is part of your challenge. If you've got the thing on the picker that says if this is you know has this level of give to it and is this amount of pink, then pull it off the tree. <laughs> <laughs> then that's going to work really well for nectarines and also, you know, people's, people's heads. heads. <laughs> um, and so maybe part of the Especially challenge- Especially sunburnt people. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe part of the challenge then is around at what point you put these different checks to avoid human casualties. <laughs> and so you build it all in such a way that any any little device or, or thing that you can add to your whole system can also be very, very dangerous if you set it up in a way- that it detects a human. God, where my mind went was just not a good, uh, not a good place. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's I don't only. know whether I should say it. Say it. <laughs> so one of the workers comes in off maternity leave. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, you shouldn't have said it. <laughs> We're not picking babies' heads off their off their bodies. Gross. Um, but yeah, I like that little. I like that little addition to. A sort of otherwise fairly standard, you know, put your conveyors and things together in a, in a nice, efficient way to have to add like, oh, a, a human walked across my conveyor belt and that means I de- de- detected the um, the pressure and I juiced them. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, I, I think what, what actually starts happening is you, you get some people who they they just jump on the conveyor belt just to get a quick ride back to the office. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. Um, and you, they all get into the habit of that, and then you put an extra picking mechanism in place, and uh, they all die. Um, they? So what I like is the is the fact that all the only visuals that you actually get to see of these of these um, robots are like on the monitor that you're working on. So you don't actually get to go out into the field or anything like that. It's only um, you're only hearing of things happen on um, over the radio. Um, you hear of things have you see things happening sort of in a digital sort of way. Okay, so you've got screen. like a sc- like a schematic, a schematic of. So you of can the- kind of see like you can click on any of them and see. Oh, okay, they've they've grabbed something. They're checking the color. This is the decision they've made. You know, yeah. and then based on what the next you know thing along the line says, you know, okay, that's good. They they picked twenty nectarines successfully, but when you see <laughs> that they found an amazingly large nectarine. That was excessively juicy. 
and they couldn't. <laughs> it had a very large pit, and when they, but and weirdly enough, when they got inside it, it was uh, quite squishy. That maybe something's gone wrong. Something's gone wrong. Something's you hear, gone wrong. You hear some screaming on on the um on the um, <laughs> on the audio that you happened to turn down because it was. Yeah. <laughs> it and was then the next, you. <laughs> and then the next day you get a memo saying, uh, "Can you tweak the code in in uh, Unit Fifty Seven B so that it does not quite detect that shade of red?" <laughs> okay, let's click again. <laughs> Three to one. Yeah, click. Ebony Hallway. Neglectful midriff. <laughs> God. Um, okay, so- All right, wait, wait, wait. Uh, 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 well, no, let me go. So, I'm thinking Ebony Hallway is the name of a band. Okay, yeah, colour color noun, yep. <laughs> colour noun, exactly. Ebony Hallway. <laughs> and something happens midriff uh, <laughs> on one of their shows- um, due to some neglect, and that's like the start of the story. Okay, someone so- dies, like maybe a lead singer dies or something. Sort of a narrative rock and roll adventure. Well, what I was actually thinking is, does this thing that happens mid riff have something to do with time? Ooh, okay. And like um, mid riff, does time sort of split apart? Oh, like a so it's like a sliding doors sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So, do you get to make a cho- choice? Yeah, I think there's. I think there's a choice that gets made at this point. It's like whether um, someone crowd surfs or something, or I don't know. Maybe there's a whole heap of different different things <gasps> going on, and based on based off of your choice, depends on what actually happens at that point. Okay. But what actually happens from now on is that you sort of get to make you get to see both choices that are playing out as you go. So you can sort of see the branching the branching. Oh, parts. that's an interesting way to do a branching story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To really go that sliding doors thing where you're playing both sides. Yep. And seeing the difference. And, and yeah, you could do some really interesting things around- You explore the ca- explore the relationships with the characters based on, you know, their reactions and, and the things that happen in the two yep. different universes. Because, um, I mean, one of the things that, that I always um, hate about some adventure games is sometimes you want to go, what would have happened if I chose that yeah, other Yeah, 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 absolutely. But to basically have that as the core gameplay, that as you're going, you are going to see everything that both both sides of the um, mm. the coin. So this would be a really interesting adventure game, like if, almost a point and click adventure or a like a third person adventure, but more around yep. more around inventory and and, and conversation puzzles. Because yep. I like the idea of you literally most of the time play through each scene. Twice, um, but like, yeah, like that. That the two universes follow closely enough together most of the time that you're going to the same places, you're meeting the same people, but the yeah, puzzles it- then are completely different. So, like, it's not like you're just redoing the same puzzles to hear different conversation. It's the scenes, and particularly as you go further along, I think they they sort of diverge a lot more um, based on you know uh, the aftermath of that decision. That. Yeah, you're still seeing, you're still in the same place, but like you switch back and it's like completely different. You know, you're in one and you're in someone's apartment and it's all nice and you go to the next one, it's completely trash because they're like on drugs or something. So, what I'm now wondering is to show the difference between the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was many, many years ago a certain commercial that um, Michael Jackson was doing some shots for. Okay. And- do you know about the the Pepsi commercial that he was involved in and what happened? Uh, it rings some bells, but n- tell us. Fireworks went off and it burned his hair and he ended up in hospital and right, all that okay. sort of stuff. So, I think what happens this mid-riff is that um, you make a decision whether to, you know, go go towards the front and, and you know, playing playing the riff, not realising that- um, The pyrotechnics are going to go The pyrotechnics off. are about to go off. So, basically, it singes your hair, and basically, it means that you've now got short hair throughout the rest of it. And <laughs> the person- that all the da- I thought you were going to say that, he, like, that they get, like, you know, damaged and nearly killed and the whole new lease on life, and that's how things change. But, no, it's just down to the hair. Well, that- <laughs> I mean, my, yeah, my, I know. My, my like a near-death experience. Let's, let's let's change the, the appearance on the character based off of that choice. Yeah, okay. And that choice was literally you either go forward and and you know 
you know, you right up against the the fold back, and you you're shooting, you know, base riff out into the um, out into the crowd, a la you know Steve Harris and Iron Maiden, or you can just stay back, and it's at this point that so if you, know, you stay back, did the pyrotechnics just go off as normal, or does someone else they go, get they, hurt? They go off as normal, and maybe someone else gets hurt. Um, I don't know. It's it's one of these things that. You could do some interesting things then, again, because if you want to you be sort of really comparing the two different universes but in the same sort of locations, like you in a hospital ver- bed versus you visiting somebody else in a hospital bed sort of thing and, and how okay. that might yep. affect the dynamics of the band depending on, you know, if it's the front person that, that gets hurt versus you or and just really explore the relationships then between the different characters. Okay. Yep. I can see so that. That could be cool. Um. You know, it goes down a legal pathway of that's how you make all your money because you sued the company that- um, <laughs> That, like, set up the stage or something. Yep. Or the lead singer uh, sues the sues the company and they get all the money and, you know, it's based off of how resentful you are of- <laughs> <laughs> to, to still have your hair and, yep. and well, I, I, think, I, I think there's more damage than just that. Maybe yeah. it actually prevents them from being able to, to perform anymore or something. Um, or you, if you make that choice. But yeah, I like the idea of it going down two different paths, other sliding doors. I really need to see that film again. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, I guess I'll, I could put up with Gwyneth Paltrow's wooey face for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Without thinking about all the things she tells people to shove up their vaginas um, under the name of health. Yeah, let's should we do one more? <laughs> yes, we shall. Three, two, one, click. Solidified tablespoon. Strangled loudness. Okay. So, solidified tablespoon made me think of the Matrix. I feel like that's a property we haven't looked at in a little while. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't want it. I don't want it to be Neo. No, I want to be the kid. Boring. The, the kid that um, says there is no spoon. Well, maybe. But he grown up. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think something along those lines. Did you ever watch the Animatrix? Yes. And how they explored a lot of different characters within the world of the Matrix, often around it, like, glitching out. Well, I remember particularly one was around, like, they found a glitch in the Matrix sort of thing where things could float or something. Um, I like that idea of just being another random person within the Matrix. Um, But then maybe you're hunting a serial killer who has some level of control over the Matrix, perhaps, and that's where the strangled loudness comes in. Well, because- I wasn't thinking strangled from a from a physical strangle point of view, but no. the um, the idea of a, a strangled loudness of of basically a, a restrained loudness or something like that in this okay. in this particular um, area in this back lot. Um, basically, if someone stands in this in this area and shouts, no one can actually hear them outside of outside of that little okay. area. That could be an aspect, and so yeah, there's basically a glitch there in the, in the physics yeah. of that space. I do really like the idea of a cop or or someone who don't who doesn't realize they're in the matrix, finding it out through an investigation or realizing something's wrong, and, and eventually finding it out and coming in contact with people who are who are unplugged and, and are jacking back in. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you can you can always really tell cool. because they're always in black and they've got sunglasses on inside. It. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think this could even be again. You could keep it completely different. Maybe they've got a completely different aesthetic. Um, like this is another <laughs> ship out there in the resistance, or their agents, or both. Like you come in contact with both, or or literally just like the the uh, sequels. As you know, disappointing as they were for the most part, showed that there are you know all these different people yep. in various levels of of understanding and control of the matrix and these and programs and things. You know who are basically sentient and. Yeah, I feel mm. like there's a, a lot you could do there, but I'd love the idea of just making it fairly subtle, at least to begin with. Um, and again, you could, and this never works in games because it's too hard to keep it a secret, but I love the idea of it starting out just as feeling like a detective game, but then you start seeing glitches. Yeah, okay. So, the first one that you see is is like this. Um, yeah, It's like well, this glitch that um, you, you see a kid that- um, or oh, you, you go, you go, and you well, investigate this, cri- um, exactly, this crime yeah. in this back lot. Yeah, and and you're, and you're like, how? Like it's it, they were killed in the noisiest way possible, and you question all the people around you, like, how did nobody hear this? Um, yep. and then you know something, ha- something else happens when you are able to witness it, and you can sort of start experimenting with it, and you realize, oh wait, 
there's like a complete void of sound here, like basically a sound barrier around this back lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm what I'm now wondering is, how did this person die? Did they okay. get maybe chopped up by a chainsaw? So you're just trying to figure out what would be the loudest way for them to die? They were yeah, blasted. They thinking. were blasted apart with the power of subwoofers. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm just picturing like that old TDK ad. Oh, I don't remember <laughs> the guy that. sitting down. They got like the massive speakers in front of him, right? And like they they turn it on, and like literally stuff is getting blown off to the oh yeah, yeah. from beside him and all that sort of stuff. I was basically picturing Marty McFly at the start of Back to the Future, but like three of them <laughs> pointed in three different directions and all turned on at once. Um, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, no, I, I like the idea of this being a. You're just a character who doesn't know about the Matrix. It's not even, it's not even picked up as a as a Matrix game. No, exactly. Like- yeah, I like the idea of do- taking it in kind of the Cloverfield direction, where like how that how that um, IP is kind of been taking these odd movies and just giving them a little Cloverfield twist in a way. Yep. Um, and look, I, I don't know. Well, I kind of like the idea that it doesn't get fully like this guy doesn't get him unplugged. I think he's just on the fringes of this and he finds stuff out about it and he does start to get a bit of an understanding of it. But, like, I think it'd be best if no one ever says the words The Matrix. <laughs> do, you, do you know what would be awesome? Mm-hmm. If halfway through the game you're going into the boss's office and then all of a sudden he just wakes up at home. Okay. And so he doesn't know what's actually been going on. But it turns out that, like, he his body was taken over by one of the agents. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So- And then and then as you go about your business that next day, you sort of hear about the fact that you just disappeared and all that, you know, someone saw some weird guy in glasses turn yeah. into you, or like, go into your house or something. Or I don't know. However, that's going to yeah. work. But- and, and just, you know, sort of have it almost like a Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing that he loses time and all this sort of mm. stuff. But it just turns out that- you know, he's just a good host. He happens to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And and somehow never get killed. Because <laughs> whenever bloody in the Matrix they killed an agent, like that that civilian just died. Yeah. In the Matrix. <laughs> they, it's kind of sad. No longer use, usable as a battery. Battery waste. <laughs> Recycled. <laughs> Recycled. <laughs> you got recycled. Oh, my God. Okay. Three, two, one, click. Yeah. One more, and then we'll finish up. Stapled Adept. <laughs> Zany Carpeting. <laughs> okay. Okay. Carpet stapling game of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that works really, really well. Um, yeah, let's go. I was going in more of a, like, office spacey direction before that, but, okay, carpeting, laying carpet. So, you're adept at laying carpet. Uh, there's something zany- yeah. I mean, I th- I'm, I'm picturing this a little bit like a, a four-player couch uh, multiplayer sort of thing. Um, oh, yeah. Where you're sort of laying carpet in different- You know, you get points for laying carpet. Maybe you've got different types of carpet that can affect the other people then. Can you pull up other people's carpet? And, yeah, you know, I think it's, it's sort coverage. of like- um, it, It's a competitive um, multiplayer game in which yeah. you're trying to you're trying to carpet the room with your own colour. Yeah. 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 Um, which means that you got, you got to sort of, like, go along and staple it into the floor and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Look, I like, you- I like the idea of having to- You actually have to, like, staple- You use the thumbstick or something or the D-pad to, like, staple in a direction. And so, you can just staple, you know, along the edges, but that's going to make it easier for someone else to come along and rip it up if you don't get sort of the next piece in in time or something. Or you can staple or fall them down, but it takes a bit longer and uses up more staples. So, I'm, I'm wondering whether this is not traditional carpet in that- you know, you're you're sort of um, getting a whole roll of it that you got to pull in. I'm no. thinking you got carpet squares. Yes, that's basically what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the things that you can do is like um, staple your carpet over the top of someone else's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you get do you get less points based on how uneven the floor is? Yeah, you get less points because you know you're sort of doing an upwards as such. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what you can actually do is um, you've got two tools, but um, you've got either a stapler 
or you've got like the staple remover, which is basically just a huge crowbar. Yeah. That, you know, you can just sort of stick underneath the carpet and just pry off. The thing is, you can only carry one tool at a time. Yep. So yep. running back to the toolbox, which is in the hallway, and running back into the room to to yeah, um, will take up time. Yeah, will take up time. So you know, is it is it worth running back out there? Um, and then the other thing staples, is, or can is you it throw worth the running crowbar back out there and and get getting the crowbar and like maybe you can attack people with it and you yeah, you pull them out say. for for like. Um, two, three seconds. Well, I like the idea that you can literally throw it across the room. So, if you see them running back for their crowbar and you've already got yours, you can sacrifice <laughs> it by throwing it at their head and, and that'll give you some time to put down some more squares. No, but that's the thing. You won't have the, you won't have the staple gun. You got to, You can only carry one tool at a time. Well, maybe you've got someone else's staple gun because you knocked them out as well. Because <laughs> um, I think there's got to be a reason for you having to always go back out into the- um into the room, I think maybe you can only hold like three or four carpet squares at a time. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm picturing a bit of an overcooked sort of thing where, yeah, you've got a sort of a limited amount of things you can carry. Um, you've got yeah, you've got tools that you can pick up and use and you have to, yeah, you have to sort of run back and avoid other people or, or attack other people to to get the things that you need to continue. So, what sort of hazards and things can we put in place? Do we go in overcooked-ish vibe where you're in these really outlandish situations- um, um, yeah, I, I kind of like that. I kind of like the idea of maybe having to do it on a pirate ship or yeah. having to do it um, on a, it- on an airplane as an air hostess is trying to um trying to like serve serve yeah. people. Yeah, and you're just like laying carpet <laughs> down below them, getting them to lift up their feet so you can put a piece below them. Um, <laughs> like the idea of like doing it on two floors of an apartment building with elevators going up and down or something um, that yep. could be really interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I'm thinking the lobby of a hotel, and you you're having to deal with the bus boys and <laughs> the bellboys, sort of stuff that are the bellboys. Yeah, bell yeah, they they they're all sort of running around around the room, you know, sort of taking people people stuff up, and you're yeah, having to sort of dodge cro- them and stable down the carpet. It's a crossover <laughs> game with bellboy blast, totally. Um, just that one, just that one room, just that one, and level. then um, oh. Spaceship, the, 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 the Star Trek Enterprise location, the Star is- Trek. Did you, did you hear that? I just said the Star Trek Enterprise because that's what the ship is called. All oh, aboard yeah. the Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. Um. So I was thinking that you go, you got this convention center mm-hmm. that you that you're like trying to put it in, but the thing is, all the cosplayers are all dressed up as Garfield. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's a callback to fucking 80 episodes ago or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it- I'm just I'm picturing having to do that while there's like they're investigating the murder or whatever it was in that. In that <laughs> yeah. Game. Well, and also that's going to be a big level if uh, if um, you're uh, trying to carpet an entire convention center. <laughs> now I'm picturing like other outlandish scenarios, like um, in an interrogation room while there's an interrogation going on. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so there's cops like talking to this um talking to this bad guy, and you, you're like running around, <laughs> you know, stapling down carpet samples, throwing <laughs> throwing um <laughs> throwing crowbars crowbars at each other. Yeah, I like it. That's cool. um, so, the question is: Can you attack other people with the staple gun as well? Like, can you staple their oh. hand to the wall? I like. Well, I like the idea that you can just staple their feet to the ground and it slows them down for a few seconds. Um, yep. But but it still gives them the mobility to like if they if they've got the crowbar at that point, maybe they can throw it at you as you move away. <laughs> no, so you kind I'm of- now thinking that they they got the crowbar and they get it up underneath the carpet sample, and as they're walking around, like they got um, a carpet sample on their left foot and nothing on their right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be funny actually. That every time you staple someone's feet to the ground, the way they get loose is they pull up that carpet sample. So you you could use that to sacrifice other people's carpet squares, but also. You know, you do the animation in such a way that if you've stapled their right foot like five times, they're completely lopsided um, <laughs> and sort of lur- lurching to the left a bit. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I like, like it that. a lot. That's cool. That's a perfect one to end on. All right. Yeah, I think we will end it there. Thank you for joining us this week on BitStorm. If you want to find us online, the best place is podchaser.com slash BitStorm. We've got our YouTube, our Facebook, our Twitter, all our stuff on there. Um. Yeah, that's it. Go there and do that thing. We'd like to plug our friends at the AGP and the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. Uh, an awesome bunch of people 
um, who you should check out all their podcasts. Just search for hashtag AGPN on Twitter or look at look for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook. And finally, we'd like to thank Kuridas for the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. Thank you again for joining us this week on BitStorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And I'm on a rocket. Woo! <laughs>